Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verses 9 through 18. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall remain with you all shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, another important question. You guys get lots of important questions. What is your favorite underdog sports movie? I, I didn't hear one. Mighty, oh, I didn't even think about that one. That's such a good one. You know, as I was thinking about some of them, I realized there's really not a sports movie that's not an underdog movie. Um, they're all underdog movies. All right? That's why we love sports movies is because it's, 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 uh, it's, it's about the little guy, right? So, you know, some of the, some of the most famous probably are, you know, Rocky Right? He, they kind of created the genre of the underdog sports movie, right? This, this guy, this little guy who has no chance, goes up against the biggest and the best, but he's got heart, right? He, he refuses to, to stay down. Um, I think you have to put Rudy up there in the top of, of all-time great sports underdog movies, although I, I have heard that they, they took a little more liberty with the real story, which kind of makes me sad because it's such a great one. But um, love Rudy. Uh, there's a, the movie about the 1980 you know, men's Olympic uh, hockey team uh, called Miracle, right? That's such a good one. I love that movie. Um, I, I think one of my favorites uh, is, is, um, is about a Jamaican bobsled team, right? You guys may remember that was a cheesy, corny movie from the 90s uh, called Cool Runnings, right? And um, <clears throat> this little country had no business being in the Winter Olympics, but had some sprinters that they decided to give it a chance. I love that movie. Um, we could go on and on, right? We could think of so many, right? But we, we love the underdog story, right? We, we love it. We, we love hearing about the little guy who can compete. Um, we, we love stories where a, a small town basketball team from Hickory, Indiana, right, can, can play with the big boys, which I wish, I didn't realize that wasn't the actual name. I'm not from around here, so I didn't realize, I thought it actually was Hickory. That's not, that's not the real school that, that the story is about. But anyway, the Hickory boys can, can play with the big guys anywhere, right? And, and, and beat, the, beat the favorites. But, but in reality, 
Um, you and I don't value underdogs as much as we think. Um, most of the time we support the big guy. Um, most of the time we are uh, bandwagon fans of anything and everything, right? Uh, there, was a, there was a song written in the 1970s called Everybody Loves a Winner. And, and I think that is true for most of us. We support the big company because uh, it's easier, right? We follow uh, the latest trend because it's cool. We, we buy the, the car that everybody else thinks is, the, is the, the, the good car to have lately, right? We like the cool crowd and we, we really want to be in it. It's our human nature. Well, this, this morning, James is going to tell us some, some uncomfortable things about ourselves. Uh, he, he's going to make one thing really clear to us this morning, and that is that the rules of God's family are different than the rules of the world. Uh, so let's pray together as we start our time. Father, would you guide us, would you lead us this morning through your word? God, we are so thankful for it. It is unchanging, and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't move and sway based our, on our opinions. It is firm and secure, and so we can trust in it. Use it to change our lives. Use it to glorify yourself this morning. Yes, it's in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in James chapter 2. We've moved into the, a new chapter, which you guys will appreciate. Um, and we're going to read verses 1 through 13 this morning. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of glory. For if, a, for if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, uh, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So it's probably good at this point to remind you uh, that James or nor any, any other biblical writer for that matter, when, when they sat down to write uh, their letter, they, they didn't put it in, in, in chapters. They didn't divide it in the way that we have today. Um, so uh, people put, 
put the Bible into chapters and verses and all of that stuff later just as a helpful tool, right? They're not inspired. <laughs> the fact that this is the start of chapter 2. Some people think this should have never been the start of chapter 2, by the way. Um, th- it, it's just kind of an arbitrary measuring system to help us all be on the same page to find, to find where we are. So uh, James sat down and wrote a letter to his friends, right? And the whole thing is, is one letter. It, he, didn't, he didn't divide it into chapters at all. So um, it, it's hard for us sometimes to know, is, did he really start a new thought? Or are we, are we, did the people who divided this up, were they correct? Or, or should they have done that differently? Um, and, and, and so in this case, for, for this morning, we can say pretty, pretty confidently that he is still in the same thought uh, as, as we were last week and the week before that, right? He, he really hasn't changed his direction um, much. If you look back at the last two verses of chapter 1, which are, are verses 26 and 27, it says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James is talking about what it looks like to be a person who has faith. What, what does it mean to be a person who has faith? What are Christians supposed to look like? And, and we said last week that the, the big idea of the whole book of James is that we are supposed to be doers of the word. right? Doers of the word. Not not just hearers, not just hearers of the word, which, speaking of, I hope you've been reading John this week. I hope, uh, we, you know, we've, this is day seven of this. Um, and so if you're behind, that's okay. You don't have to raise your hand or anything. Um, I'm not giving out any, any gold stars or anything like that. But, so if you're behind, here's my encouragement. Don't try to catch up. Just, just today, read John 7 and just keep going from here. And if you get time, you can, you can catch up another day. But, but, but just start again. We're at John 7. Um, but we're supposed to follow the word. We're supposed to read it, and then we're supposed to be doers of that word. Um, and and, and because, because that's what we're supposed to do, he would say we, we're supposed to look different than the rest of the world. We should not look like everybody else. People who are doers of the word don't look like the rest of the world, and they shouldn't. He, he says that we are supposed to give sacrificially to help people like widows and orphans. We are supposed to be helping people who can't help themselves, right? That's what he just finished in saying, and he's going to move on in the same thought, okay? It goes right along with our passage. He says, take care of widows and orphans. Don't show partiality to the rich. Don't show partiality to the rich. Don't apply the world's system to God's church. That's what he's saying. This is, this is the bride of Christ. Do not treat it like the, with the rules of the world. That's not how the church is supposed to look. That's not how it works. I, I, I'm going to try to give you a little bit of a, of a background to sort of talk about James because it's, it could be tricky to just read it and think, man, it seems like James hates anybody who's rich, which we a few weeks ago said, anybody in this room that has, you know, indoor plumbing and has a vehicle and all that, we're rich. We're in the top like one third of one percent of wealth in the world. So we are the wealthy that he's talking about. Does he hate us? Right? It makes us a little uncomfortable. So let me just give you a, a, what I think is a little bit of a helpful background. Um, 
In, in, in most of the history of the world, um, I, I'm not an economist or anything like that, but, but, but there was a simple economy, right? And, and some people call it like the pie theory of, of economics, right? And that is, there's a pie, try to get as much of it as you can. There's only so much pie to go around, get as much of it as you can, right? That's kind of the way most, uh, you know, systems in the world, most countries have worked up until the last, you know, maybe century or so. Um, just, there's this pie, get as much of it as you can. But, every part of the pie that you take is taking from somebody else's part of the pie, right? There's no way for you to get more pie without harming someone else, right? Without stealing a part of their pie. Um, so, so, you are harming others in that pursuit of more pie, right? This is Economy Lesson 101. You guys are appreciating this, I can tell. Um, <laughs> and the primary way for you to get more pie was, was to trick somebody else, to take from somebody else, to use the power that, that you had to neglect somebody else and to get more of theirs, right? And so uh, we, saw, we saw that in, in part of our, our, our um, Leviticus reading, right? Don't withhold the wages, right? If somebody worked for you, you pay them right then. You don't wait. Say, oh, I'll get to you next month. I'm sorry, I forgot I don't have it. Right? That, that's how you exploit the working class. And, and, and that was kind of what we're, we're, we're seeing in, in some of this, right? Pay people what they are owed. Don't steal from their pie. Um, now, you could have been a good farmer and produced some more things and all that, but, but to take other people's land is to take more of their pie. Right? That's, that's kind of the idea that James is working with in this. Right? So, so our economy today is a little bit different. Right? We don't have to necessarily steal from somebody else to generate wealth. Right? You, can, you can invent something. You can create a new market. Um, you can you know, invent a service that nobody's ever had before. Right? Things like that. You can, you can create new ways of wealth. And so that's where you see things like Facebook. Right? It didn't exist before, and, but now it's something that, that has value because we feel like it does. And, and that's how you, you can generate wealth in a different type of economy. And, and that's the end of our economy lesson because I don't know any more than that. But um, right? for, for James, he is saying, look, be careful how you treat other people. Because in our pursuit of wealth, it, it, you're going to hurt somebody else in that process. Um, and, and so this is, this is not a new idea, right? James didn't create this. Um, you know, if you, if you were listening to our Old Testament reading, it, it, it just laid out the basic rules of, of living, you know, as God's people. How do you treat others? Right? And, that, and that's a lot of, of what we read earlier. He, he, he said, you know, leave, leave part of your field, right? Don't, don't take every little bit. Leave some so that those who, who don't have can, can come and get some of your leftovers, right? We, and we, we saw that process in Ruth, right? You could, they could glean your field, right? You leave your corners and, and leave some extra. Make sure that, that those who are in real need could, could have, um, right? He says, don't steal. Don't oppress your neighbor, right? Which we would say is slavery uh, of, of various kinds, right? That's not okay. It wasn't okay in the Old Testament. Don't do that. Um, right? Treat people fairly. Don't lie about them. Don't, don't testify falsely in court against them. And, and, it, and it leads all the way up into verse 18, right? Where it says to love your neighbor as yourself. And it, and it just kind of is a little bitty thing there, right? In, in, in the middle of a bunch of whole bunch of laws in Leviticus 19, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. James knows this passage very well. Jews would have known uh, this passage. It was a big one. 
right? Jesus knew it, and he reinterpreted it in the, in the New Testament. He said, look, there's, there's two laws, right? Love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. Those, those are the two, and every law that ever was in the Old Testament that God ever gave us had to do with those two laws. That's it, right? Love God with all you have. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two, you're fulfilling what God has for you. So hold, hold on to that for just a second, because we're going to keep going here. So, so James creates this, like, hypothetical example that that plays out in, you know, every church and every, you know, time in history, right? There's a, there's a church gathering, and here comes the person, right? This person of wealth and influence, and, and gold rings weren't common back then, and so he's, he's painting this, this picture of, like, incredibly wealthy, right? Obviously wealthy. I mean, they're showing it for people to see, right? That's, that's the, the vision of this person who comes in and, 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 you know, this guy is clearly a winner, and everybody loves a winner. And so we go, well, how, how can we benefit from being affiliated with him? Maybe, uh, maybe he'll, he'll join us, right? And, and we'll all benefit. You know, he'll, he'll buy us a whole new sanctuary or something, right? He'll, he'll get us new choir robes if we, if we can just convince this guy uh, to, to be a part of us. So that, so that guy walks in, right? And then, and then there's the next one. Um, obviously poor. Right? In, in a bad state, right? He, he, he not only is poor, he looks poor, right? Everything about this person is undesirable. And, 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 and I'm assuming you've probably been in a situation like this. Maybe, maybe here, maybe not here, maybe somewhere else. But we, we, don't, we don't necessarily want to be with them. And we don't want to be associated with them. And, and we're not really sure, right? Maybe, maybe you've been in a restaurant and, and, and somebody sits down at the table right next to you like that. And you, uh, I wish they were sitting over there. I really don't want them this close to me, right? And, and I sure don't want them to be a part of my church, right? Because they're just going to, it's, it's going to be a burden on all of us if, if they're here. And James says, that's not the way God's family works. That's not the way it's supposed to work. You know, what's interesting about this is, is the only thing distinguishing about the two people is their money, right? He didn't say a, a, a godly whatever and an ungodly whatever or a really nice person and a really mean person or any characteristics of them other than here's a rich person and a poor person. And you made a distinguishing thing based on the world system Right? That's what's, that's what's making James so angry here. It, it's clear in other places throughout Scripture that we are supposed to honor those who are honorable. Right? Uh, just in the, in the very next book, in 1 Peter, it talks about honoring the king. It talks about, you know, respecting elders and respecting those in positions of authority. And so it, this, isn't, this isn't about... Um, this is about distinguishing rich and poor, not characteristics. Right? We should honor those who are humble and wise and godly. And that's okay. Because there are, there are things in God's kingdom that he cares about. He values the servant. He values the humble. He values the one who gives sacrificially. The one who helps other people. We've already seen that. Right? Th- those things are to be celebrated and honored. And that's okay. But we can't distinguish people based on what they look like and, and their possessions. That's, that's not the way that, that God's church is supposed to work. And, and that helps us when we, when we you know, look at verse 5 where it says, Listen, 
my brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? James is not saying that, that um, all rich people are evil and that all poor people are godly. That is not what he's saying. There, there are lots of examples of, 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 of people in, in Scripture who are, who are godly, who are rich, right? We studied him just a couple of weeks ago, right? We were talking about Boaz, this man who had many fields, and he was a wealthy, uh, celebrated man in his, in his community. He was rich. But what, what did God say about him? What did we know? He said he was a man of character. He was a man of kindness, of generosity, right? He treated people well. He treated his employees well, right? He took care of, 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 of these widows in, in this bad situation, right? Not all rich are evil. And, and, and we see places, again, that to, so we can prove that not all poor people are godly. That's not, that's not what we're saying here. There are evil fools in the Bible who are poor. What, what James is saying is that part of the economy of God, if you will, is that he cares about the internal over the external. He doesn't choose people because they're beautiful. He doesn't choose people because they're popular. Remember David? Right? We, see, we see this principle played out, right? God, God is consistent. He, he has the same heart throughout. David, the, the, the least of the brothers, right? The smallest, the, the least impressive, as he's described, of the brothers, right? The, the last one that would have been chosen to be king. But, but God says, look, don't look at his appearance, look at his heart, because that's what I look at. I'm looking at David's heart above his brothers, and that's why I'm choosing him to be the king. This is totally different than the rest of the world. This is totally different than the way the world works, and he said, this is the way the church works too. I want you to do the same thing. So, mo- so moving kind of to this last piece, right? The last section here basically says, look, if, if you keep all the, the commands of God but show favoritism, right, show partiality, you are not loving your neighbor as yourself. And so, so therefore you are guilty, right? He calls it the royal command. He uses that because that's what Jesus said. This royal command, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't honor that one, you've broken everything. And so the way you show favoritism, the way you show partiality to the rich, breaks every, every other command. You're guilty. You're guilty. And so he finishes, he says, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment... It, is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Meaning, if you don't show mercy, mercy won't be shown to you, right? And we hear that in, 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 in Jesus a lot. He talks about this idea. And then he finishes with, mercy triumphs over judgment. Remember last week I told you that uh, James seems to be using the format of, of the Sermon on the Mount as he writes this letter, right? He kind of takes through all the main pieces of the Sermon on the Mount, and he's going to sort of expand them in, in his letter. And we see it here. So, so just listen to the Beatitudes, right, the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, uh, and, and hear the similarity. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Right? James is taking what Jesus said, and he's, he's, he's carrying it again, right? Blessed are the merciful. Those are the ones that are going to receive mercy. Those are the ones who get, to, who get the mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Right? This is a different way of living than, than the ways of the world. You, you and I are called to this. We're called to be different than the world system. Right? The, it has its own way of judging. It has its own levels of success. Right? The rich, the smart, the popular, the attractive. The, those are the ones that the world has chosen and said, these are the elevated people. This is, these are better. Right? They matter more. What do I get about God and his people? Is that his system? God is telling us here, he wants us to be people who show love to everyone, who show mercy, who help the powerless of the world. You, you've probably heard it said that, that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Right? The ground is level at the foot of the cross. God invites all who are weary and all who are broken and all who are hurting and all who are rejected. If God only wanted the, the smart and the popular and the attractive, guess what? I would not be in that group. Right? I would not have been invited. God, only, God wants the lowly of this world. He, he wants all of us to be humbled, to realize where we are as guilty to be able to come to him. We're all guilty. Favoritism, or, or you know, maybe better said, partiality, is applying the world's standards to Christ's church, to his bride. God's standard is that we love our neighbors as ourselves and that we show mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And that's the true new, good news of the gospel. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's pray. Father, why you have chosen us to be a part of your family, I have no idea. We are so undeserving. We are all guilty. I'm reminded of the saying that evangelism is simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. God, remind us that we are beggars. We have no better standing than anyone else because it is level foot, footing at the cross. Father, help us not to live by the standards of the world, but to be people who show mercy, who help those who need help, who don't show partiality according to, to any other standard but, but the things that, of, of you and what you care about. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.